0: Before you continue listening to the newest episode of the Uncut Gems podcast, we have a little announcement to make. Over the last little while, we have been hard at work preparing some exclusive bonus content. That's right, exclusive bonus content for you to listen to, which will be available on our newly minted Clapper Patreon page for just two bucks a month you will be able to access extra episodes of both the Uncut Gems podcast and ClapperCast. In exchange for a small subscription fee, you will be able to hear us debate hot topics, indulge in focused retrospectives, deep dives into classic films, and more. At the moment, we are planning to release one extra episode of Uncut Gems and one extra episode of ClapperCast each month, which essentially boils down to a buck a show which isn't much in the grand scheme of things, but it will help us develop our little community of writers and film lovers over at Clapper, pay the bills, and increase our outreach. Our inaugural bonus episode will premiere on the 4th of May 2021, so follow us on Twitter at Uncut GemsPod, at Clapper Podcast, and at Clapper Ltd for more details. Be sure to check out ClapperLtd.co.uk as well. And don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon over at patreon.com slash LTD. That's patreon.com slash clapperltd. Be there or be square. From the Iron Desert of cinema, this is the Uncut Gems podcast, a weekly show where we talk about movies nobody else wants to talk about. This is episode number 14, and my name's Jakob. My name's Carson.
1: My name's Nick.
0: Yeah, hi. So, um, uh, before we begin, maybe this is a good time to mention, I might as well cut this out later on, I don't know, that after this recording, we are going to cook up something special. And this will develop into a whole new separate project, or maybe even multiple projects for you to listen to. Uh, so we mentioned this a few weeks back that we do have appetite for um, discussing other things as well, and we are making this happen. So more on that later. So for now, just keep your keep your eyes, eyes peeled. This is this is going to be a surprise. I don't know because um uh, probably Carson is going to uh, do an announcement on on Clappergas at some point. But you know, I just you should follow us on uh, on social media. That, that's pretty much what I'm trying to say. Now. So if you're a returning listener, you might also have noticed that we have had a small change of plans because we were supposed to talk about Michael Mann's Miami Vice, but we had to shift things around to accommodate some folks because some people couldn't make it. So worry not, if you're um, into Miami Vice, you'll have your day in court. That's fine. We're going to do it, but you'll hear it in uh, two weeks' time. So stay with us. Instead, we are doing something new and venturing into the world of fantasy, or more specifically, 80s fantasy because the topic of today's discussion is Peter Yates' crawl. We have no food
1: and the men are too tired to hunt.
2: Hey, Kiergan. Hello. Doesn't one of your wives live in a village near here? Lona. No,
1: no, she, she moved down to the river. How many wives does he have? That's about seven or eight at the last count. Well, he's a traveling man, you see. He covers a lot of ground. Meris. Yeah, it, she
2: lives in a village at the age of the giant seas. Can she
0: cook? What? It's not her strongest point. But here, yeah, I tell you. Hey, mm-hmm. just have to bring provisions, eh? Magnificence there, reckons it can cook. We'll soon see. Set on the titular planet of Kroll, the film tells an archetypal story of a about a Princess Lisa. Lissa, played by Lissette Anthony, kidnapped by a mysterious beast and kept in an elusive black fortress, and a young Prince Colwyn, played by Ken Marshall, embarks on a perilous adventure to save uh, the princess. On the way, he meets an array of colorful characters such as a powerful cyclops, a seer, and a merry band of bandits, but he will have to find his own inner heroic strength to stand a chance against the living incarnation of evil. Now, released in 1983, Crawl was conceptualized likely as a direct kind of knock-on effect following the immense success of uh, Star Wars in 1977. As it turns out, fantasy became a bankable genre for Hollywood producers, which is why the 80s saw a massive influx of such movies. More importantly, as the film was being developed, further examples of these successes were noted, such as Conan the Barbarian or The Dark Crystal. In fact, this trend continued... Well into the decade, and included such titles as Willow, The Labyrinth, Princess Bride, Lady Hawk, Flesh and Blood, Masters of the Universe, The Neverending Story, Beastmasters, and many, 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 many more. So it was natural to assume that Crow would fit well into this slowly crystallizing sort of zeitgeist of post-Star Wars genre filmmaking, and evolved from a medieval-style adventure to a sort of opulent high fantasy, rich in costumes, sets, and locations. So as a result. The production and the story ballooned out of proportion and the project got perhaps a little bit too too big for its own good. It is even termed as, the I think, um, the most expensive production of the time, like in history. Um, so so it released to mediocre fanfare and bombed at the box office like an absolute mofo. Critics at the time could not get on board with the film's nonsensical plot and then just messy execution was a bit of a, a shit show, And People just did not care for the charm of its world-building in just one little bit. In- Interestingly, some apologists since defended the film as released at the wrong time because it was competing dangerously close to Return of the Jedi, I think two months away from it. So is Scroll a bad movie that deserves, uh, deserved its comeuppance, or is it a victim of circumstance and a misunderstood and underrated fantasy gem in dire need of reappraisal? So how about Niccolo, you go first
2: when the movie started i was pumped up you have the sweet james horner score playing in the background it's like oh this is probably one of his finest scores this is it's already looking pretty good and then the films devolved a little bit into this weird blend of fantasy like medieval fantasy and sci-fi which was unique to say the least so it was definitely pulled in uh but then there came a point where I thought, oh, okay, we're, we're approaching the end of the film. And then I looked at the runtime. There was still an hour left. Um, and it just kept on going and going and going. And I just could not care less about it by the time the credits started to roll. Um, so, yeah, right now, those are my first thoughts on the film.
1: So, like, okay, let's be honest. Kroll is not very good. Like, I'm not going to come on here and be like, oh, it's a great movie or anything, not a great film, but, like, you know what? There is something weirdly charming I found about this film. Like, it's not enjoyable. There was specifically a point about, like, it's some, you know, 20 minutes in where you just get this 10-minute rock climbing sequence, and it just gets very, very boring very, very quickly as you just hear this great score, and we'll get to the score in a minute, um, but he's just climbing these rocks, and it's very boring, but, like, you know, there's nothing really like this out there, is there? Like, <laughs> this is a weird mix of, like, medieval, sci-fi, space alien, you know, like, all this crazy stuff and you kind of have to appreciate it like I wouldn't recommend you appreciate it by watching the film but like I do appreciate kind of like this film is willing to take risks and that's pretty cool and I mean the soundtrack is fucking baller like this is genuinely one of my favorite soundtracks of all time but like In the sense, though, it's kind of horrible for the film because it's so polished and it's so clean and it's so good that it highlights just how bad everything else is. Like, the visual effects are terrible. It's like King Kong-level visual effects. The spider especially looks horrible. But, like, there is something legitimately fun and kind of, like, charming about it. It's so bad. It's charming. It's not fun to watch. It's not good. But, like, you know, I I don't know. I'm kind of down for this
0: film. I think no arguments there, I think um, it's, it's one of those things that I, I think my opening impressions would probably say, I like the idea of crow more than I like Kroll itself I think I would say that um, as in I I like the ambition I like the fact that it's it's so opulent. It's so rich, and then you can see that there's so much attention to detail when it comes to sets and then costumes and mu- music. We'll get we'll get to music. I've I've got shit prepared, <laughs> um, but we'll we'll get there. But yeah, James Horner is um, let's just say on on another level in here, and this is pretty much I think that's the absolute. Um, like the, the standout and the sort of take home messages, like listen to the Horner score and actually listen to this, listen to this at work today as I was trying to prepare a few things, because I have a few little references that kind of cut out in the, in the score, but we'll get to it. But yeah, like in terms of acting and uh, actual story, this is this, no, this is not good. Like, y- yeah, is this, uh, I'm, I don't know how to put it politely, but um, like, I'm, I, could, I should be sort of in the wheelhouse for this like this should be my thing as in like this is sort of practical effects I like that kind of shit but this just doesn't gel very well you could see that this is um it's trying to capitalize on something and I'll I'll, I'll, I'll get there in a minute but um it's um it looks like it's just it's almost it's like Justice League and you could see that there's too many people involved in this Pulling the film in too many directions at the same time, and you can see that there is so many sort of uh, things pull, pulling this film apart because it wants to be high fantasy, it wants to be space opera, it wants to be um, like a dirty fantasy, it wants to be like a medieval adventure, it wants to be all those things, and then just fails at this because it's just fundamentally some it doesn't work, rework together. And then with the effects, I would say yes, exactly. And when you when you say the spider looks like it's from original king kong like this is pretty much my original thought was this looks like the uh, clash of the titans from the 80s as in this is like a film that was made in the 40s and put on a shelf and then took off the shelf in the 80s and then someone decided yeah it's a good idea to release it now people are ready like because it's especially when you see it in context of something like star wars or uh, conan or yeah you could see that these films they kind of look cheap and it kind of does, um, I, and I know some people will probably find it charming, and there, there are people who find it charming, but at least uh, this to me is, um, yeah, I kind can, I of see why it bombed. Yeah, but then I wanted to kind of just get into this because I have a feeling, I wanted to sort of gauge your opinion on this. Do you actually see this film as a direct knock-on effect from Star Wars? Because that was, that was that was, I think, how it was sort of, um, uh, how it originated initially, that this was supposed to be... Um, like capitalizing on the sort of strength of the sort of space opera or the sort of space fantasy uh, and because people were kind of just okay with it. So is this something that you, you, you see in this or is this manufactured?
2: I definitely see it. Um, not, not in a, like not as big as saying that it's a ripoff per se, But there are definitely elements mainly in the whole like having to save the princess and the merry gang of people if anything i'd say it's tremendously more of lord of the rings while watching it the fellowship of the ring specifically Um, but even in terms of production like there's a couple of shots early on in the film when like there's the siege on the castle where they're having the wedding and all of that and some like with the mixture of lighting and the armors that the creatures whatever were wearing. It reminded me of like the Battle of Helm's Deep from the Peter Jackson films, which was interesting. Um, but yeah, that's, that's mainly how I saw it. I saw it as a blend of like the Tolkien books of uh, a group of people in this fantasy setting, as well as the having to save the princess and their space elements in it from Star Wars. Um, but it was definitely, like I'd say original. They, they build up almost too much lore that's what made Star Wars effective was that it, it was a stripped down story. go right into it following simple characters on a simple narrative path. Instead here it's all about like the magic and the space and the, uh, the Cyclops and the Spider Woman and the ma- and all that it was just just got me like confusing. I don't know if I saw it at the wrong time. Maybe it just made me so tired by the end of it. but um, yeah.
0: Well, I wouldn't say it's a rip-off, um, so I would disagree with that. I would say, um, on some level, you could say that Star Wars is an encapsulation of these sort of archetypes, because there's, say, there's Princess Leia, and there's Princess Lisa, and then it's, they're sort of kidnapped by the big body, and then you have to go in there, and then the prince has to retrieve an artifact, say, a lightsaber, or in this case, a glaive. But these are archetypes. these are these, So you could see that there is a relationship in there, but it's not a relationship of, yeah, they took uh, Star Wars and ripped it off or decided to kind of do it over in a way, but it kind of just folds into the same niche as in, yeah, like this sort of art, like bare bones archetypal storytelling and art, like very sort of limited world building. And then, however... I would say that the limitations of the world building are kind of what pisses me off about this film because it wants to do a lot of these things. Like, it just jumps from, from thing to thing. It's just like, Let's do. Let's go to a swamp and then there is a changeling and they just don't explain shit to you because they want to accomplish so much in the span of two hours. And then it would probably be better served if it was a trilogy of some kind. But then if it was a trilogy, then you'd have to bank on the first one being successful and probably wouldn't be. So it would be kind of one of those sort of forgotten films that has like Alita Battle Angel, like, the, you know, like wanted to have a sequel, but never got one uh, because it was shit. <laughs> or it was say let's just say disappointed at the box office. Anyway, no, but you can see that there is um, there is the same sort of DNA running through it of the sort of uh, of the culture of sort of the Western um, storytelling, as in you know like that's go- coming back going back to these Arthurian legends, like the of the Excalibur. Um and then you know, like there's wizards and there's and, and but but by the way I have to say the beast fucking is amazing like this the model of this guy Jesus like I could look at him it kind of looked like have you seen um, Michael Mann's The Keep like this this kind of had this sort of vibe of like a Jewish demon.
2: <laughs> yes, oh I can see that, I can see that. i um, just to, to briefly talk about actually the effects, um. I wouldn't say they're just bad in general, they're just so uneven. Um, some of the effects, mo- most of the practical ones are pretty good, pretty decent, some are even impressive, like the beast, the sets, but then you have this early... I wouldn't even say just because, yeah, the, the spider is charming, uh, there's a couple of other like uh, puppets, I don't know if you even did them in stop motion, I don't know. Um, but the backdrops, there are some horrendous backdrops in here. You can clearly tell that certain scenes, like the rock climbing, they actually shot it on location in some way. But then there's there's especially a point towards the end when the merry group of people are running on horses. <laughs> that looks atrocious, even for the time. The firemares. Yes, like, oh man, that was, that was really poor, like, to put it in a good way
0: um did, did you see the um um uh, there, there were people who were oh because they say oh they can do this many leagues in a day and then that would mean that they would have to uh run at like 180 miles an hour yes just <laughs> <It's> like no <laughs> I'm like some fast fucking horses these things <laughs> they had teeth going you know like that, that, that they looked like orcs you know i don't know very very odd um but uh, Okay, when, I have a feeling this is going to be like, That's all, folks <laughs> It's like There's is, this is literally just very
1: little to kind of say about this folks. You know, actually, really thinking about it I would kind of like to see, I don't know, like Disney Plus, Netflix, I know they're bringing Willow back For, I think, a show, but like I think that the ideas here, and we're kind of all Talking about it, like they're all super interesting and creative and weird. And I wanna see this world kind of explored with like more competence. I, d- I think like a six part or eight part like series from Disney plus or Netflix or, you know, whoever, I think it, like there is potential if you just give it into like more competent hands, but it just it's such a shame to see such a unique property kind of like get the short end of the stick in production. It's just, I don't know, there's something so creative about this world and it's just like died, right? Cause this film sucks. It's just died and like that's that's sad to see because creativity is so hard to come by. I don't know I just I, I really like the idea of this film so much it's just the execution is so frustrating I
0: mean you could you could say that there's I mean when you see you could you could see in real time how much of a shit show the production was because they they, they actually did want I think to like film on location. And I think they've filmed quite a lot of this, like in Italy somewhere. So you can see there's, there's beautiful, like real forests and there's, you know, Mm -hmm. beautiful sort of, um, like sceneries. And then they decided, Oh yeah, we need to do this. Oh, how about we do that? And then like they, they went in like the costumes went into like hundreds and then the costume designers, they spent on, they spent millions on costumes and then they built the entire set, the black fortress. Um, which is a sound stage, and then they moved quite a few of these things into sound stages. So, like the sort of *Widow's Web*, that's also a sound stage, and then it just kind of just doesn't gel. And because they have this sort of *Lord of the Rings* moment, they they find the door in the in a wall, which is ex- almost lifted from Tolkien, right? Um, where they find a magical door into into the seer's cabin or wherever that the blind guy lives, and then it's kind of like, oh yeah, so we're meeting that guy then. Um, so <laughs> you can also see like how like very little of this film makes sense at all. So yeah, I, I mean I kind of appreciate this because I'm, and I can, it's not like that I like it. I appreciate the fact that this is such a car crash um, that it's almost a pleasure in its own right to kind of deconstruct it like the way sort of like forensic investigators look at plane crashes because it's just such an interesting thing to uh, to examine.
2: Yeah, there's definitely a feeling that the longer the film goes on, the cheaper it gets. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And oof. But but even like the, the real problem for me was just, like if I had to narrow it down, I probably do think it's mainly the characters, because I couldn't care about any of them. And there's so many. I don't remember how, how large the group of like the quest group of the princes and this fellowship but, man, I don't remember anyone except the annoying jester menstrual that's just constantly spouting jokes that never land, even in an ironic way. Um, and then Liam Neeson. We still haven't mentioned him. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of the earliest roles of Liam Neeson. You can see him young and dashing with his wonderful accent. So that, that, was, that was that was nice to see him in a yeah. film. Yeah. Um, and there's, there was definitely something like charming to, to all, almost childish, the themes where, where, where love conquers all and, and that's the true power. You don't need the weapon. It was always inside of you. <laughs> that's, like, that would be rolling at the end. It gave me new strength for watching the film because it's it's very... Like, it does feel ripped straight out of a children's book. Um, in an endearing way, I'll give it that. It was definitely like laughing at it, but also kind of with it. Um, it was genuine and earnest, but man, it's... I Like we're talking about sequels. I don't even know if they if they had any plans for anything outside of this because I don't really know where they could go. And they already stretched this story um, quite they out. They
0: did have a plan for a sequel.
2: Uh, give us the details if, they, if there's any. I'm
0: curious. Um, no, I think they, they did have a pro, uh, plan for a sequel, um,
1: yeah. just
0: a vague outline. And then when they see how this film bombed, they just cancelled this. Like, they like they had plans uh, for, like, video games, uh, pinball machines. Like, there's so much shit mm. that was kind of just... Uh, and they cancelled most of it. So, it, like, apparently, like, pinball machines, the sort of crawl themes, they go for, like, millions of dollars because there's, like, ten of them in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good
1: use of money if clap ever pops off i'm buying a pinball machine a curl pinball machine we'll get one for like the lobby of our eventual office
0: yeah
2: oh yeah <laughs> just playing it every day you no, about um, it
1: i really think one of my biggest issues with this film is kenneth marshall i'm really like thinking about it i think he's not good he's not like charismatic i think like weird like going back to star wars like i think you need someone like harrison ford kind of to really sell this world and sell like all its genres i don't think kenneth marshall does a good
0: job at all no he's not a Harrison form at all like he's the antithesis of charisma yeah
2: <laughs> charisma vacuum
0: yeah like he's their... he takes like he shows up in the room and he sucks charisma out of people <laughs> <laughs> it's just no it's not very good um
2: the whole seduction scene was just like, mm, I'm, I'm definitely believing everything that's happening but, here. No, but.
0: <laughs> I, I, but I did kind of find it interesting when, say, the beast takes the form of Ken Marshall and then has these fucked up eyes. Like, this kind of, like, the effect looked nice and it kind of looked a bit creepy. Mm
2: hmm. I can see him playing a villain, actually, um yeah. Well,
0: like, no. something
2: that doesn't require much range. Could you.
1: Not to side point, but I was reading the Wikipedia page and apparently, like, this is in Ready Player One. Like, there's, like, the weapon, the glaive is in Ready Player One. Who the fuck do you think would be, like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring Cruel. I'm going to become Cruel. I'm going to bring that into the game. What a weird, like...
0: The asshole who wrote
1: Ready Player One, that's who. No, I'm talking (laughs) about in, like, the canon of Ready Player One. Like, in the world now, if Ready Player One existed, who other than you, Yaka, would be, like... I'm going to bring the weapon from Kroll into this. I mean, I, would, I don't, I don't well, think is I this, I would. Does Kroll I mean, have a fan base? Is this like live? Actually, I think it does. I think actually, it does, yeah.
2: At the end of the video game Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, which is the spin off that's all about 80s nostalgia, the ultimate weapon is literally the glaive from Kroll which sprouts out like a giant laser beam that destroys everything. That's an actual thing. That's like the final weapon in the game. <laughs> this has a legacy and it's mainly the weapon. So this is
1: like, so this is a movie. Yeah, this is a movie with like love behind it. I've never
0: heard of this film before this podcast. Uh, no, I, I, think the, I think the love behind this film, I, I think I'm a bit too young for this. I think this would be people who are now... Let's just say um, the tail end of Gen X um, would be the sort of target audience. Like basically, the guy who wrote uh, Ready Player One is kind of this sort of who like uh, people who grew up in the 80s. Because I grew up in the 90s, right? So, uh, so the tail end of Gen X would probably be looking at like they would be going to see Return of the Jedi and crawl in cinemas when they were say 12 to 15. That would be the sort of target audience for these pe- for these things. And then even though they're shit. Um, they, I mean, this is, even though, even though this is shit, they will probably feel endeared to it because this is the formative experience of their childhood. So I could see that kind of people, like people who are now, like people I work for pretty much, like my, my bosses are sort of between, in between sort of like the 40 and 48. Yeah. Um, I
1: will say sadly the subreddit isn't popping off that much. There hasn't been a post in two months, and the last one two months. was talking about a personal headcanon about it. So, like, it doesn't <laughs> seem like the subreddit's really. Yeah, because off. people. R slash curl you know. Um, we should. I know Clapper has a Reddit, I think, you know, maybe, we used yeah. to do Clappercast. We should post this definitely there. Y- yeah. I think they I mean, would love it. Enough.
0: But then I would probably say that people in certain demographics, I mean, demographics, people in certain age groups, are more more are more or less prone to use reddit or certain uh, certain social media like i would probably say that i don't know maybe people in their sort of mid 40s they'll be like what's reddit i don't i don't know what this is you know because they're just a little bit sort of um they haven't caught on the sort of digital train uh, sort of because they were too old for this they kind of just um internalize it the way say millennials did and then when you guys pretty much grew up surrounded by, by this shit anyway. yeah.
2: and actually another yeah another group of people that have noticed really enjoy scroll by going through the letterbox reviews um, is the 420 crowd apparently quite a few oh, on Jesus, 420 really? yes I've, I've like read three or four <laughs> different reviews from different years of different people gathering with friends to smoke a bit okay. of Mary Jane and watching Crawl together and that goes back to what Carson was saying I can absolutely see this as a wonderful like uh, drunken night of movie watching and things like that it, it could be very enjoyable as as a stand like literally standing alone watch um,
0: it was a bit depressing now that's a take yeah. <laughs>
1: No, I just envisioned, like, when he was rock climbing for 10 minutes, literally 10 minutes as this, like, score plays, this beautiful, elegant score. I just imagine an entire sold-out theater of drunk people at, like, 1 a.m. just chanting, like, climb, climb, climb. Like, I I think this film is so watchable, like, if you're making fun of it. I think
0: it'd be really fun. I mean, I could, I could envision people being smoked to their absolute tits. And then just looking at this, and they're just, what the fuck is going on? This guy has one eye. Fuck me, you know. <laughs> That's That kind of uh, uh, enjoyment. But then, yeah, I could, I could see this being like a stoner film for some people. Uh, but equally, there are better stoner films to get stoned to.
1: I think I'm going crazy cuz the more we talk about this film the more I'm like maybe it is good. Maybe it is fun. I, I think I think this it is, is good. having I the Jared you, Leto yeah. this is having the Jared Leto effect where like first time <laughs> I talk about it hate it. Can't believe it. Next time <laughs> oh, I'm like shit, well, man. maybe it is okay. And then I'm like well, no, maybe it's actually great.
0: No, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: but it's so stupid but so fun. The fire effects like I love the whole wedding thing with the fire like we're going to put the wa- fire from the wa- like it's so funny. <laughs>
0: But this is audience. the definition to me of almost so bad it's good. It's just, it's a bit too long. After a while, it just yeah. lost me. Like, I was just, I, like, for the first hour I was like, I'm digging this. Like, Horner's score is still banging in my ears. Like, because it's so memorable. But after an hour, I, I was like, just shit or, or get off the pot. Like, get on with this, you know? <laughs> it's just, yeah. But then there's one wrinkle I wanted to touch on. And that's maybe a, a bit of a, let's just say a controversial hot take. Because that's in 1983, and I see this film as very intricately connected to Aliens. Don't you? (laughs) Okay, I'll have I'll have to explain myself. Um, uh, Okay, first of all, like the Slayers, you can see okay they are kind of like related to Conan the Barbarian sort of villains, but they kind of look to me like oh yeah they they kind of have this sort of xenomorph sort of look now. The entirety of Black Fortress looks like this sort of queen's nest, and then the beast is the queen. And then I, and then there's even a a, a moment where they have to get back to get the kid, which is like, yeah, let's go and get Newt from whatever. And I was thinking, yeah, I, I kinda like and then there are scenes where I think they're going back and they have their glaive and then they have their swords and there's the slayers kinda just move back because they see that there's just they're like, Oh shit, like we don't want to get get involved. It kind of looks like these are scenes kind of lifted from like this would be something that, that kind of just transposed <laughs> into aliens later on. I'm pr- I'm totally making this up. I don't think James James of Cameron was like a fan of Crow and made this happen. I think this is completely coincidental. But I
1: think in It was the plan to kill off the child.
0: (laughs) No, no, but there's a there's one little connection that I wanted to um to see, and um uh, let's just see if my internet will allow to to make this happen because there is a connective tissue in the score your in your heads now Mm -hmm. we need to open another tab hopefully my uh, zoom is going to handle this aliens score uh because i need now find where is that's the scene where a queen goes through bishop's chest I rest my case. <laughs>
2: okay. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah.
0: Horner's Hor- Horner's just borrowing from himself, and there's another sort of um, maybe I'll maybe I'll be able to find this. Um, so lit, was it track says opens as I can. Okay, um, If you look at the uh, track number two. It's called the Slayer's Attack. This sounds like a like a theme from Aliens, like this sort of the Jerry Goldsmith theme from Alien. But a, but James Horner also borrowed it when he was doing his main theme to Aliens. Um, maybe I'll I think uh, let just do it this way. Uh, There is it. I think that's the one. That's, that's sort of these two notes. This is basically like the sort of Jerry Goldsmith theme uh, from Alien that Horner borrowed um, uh, for his sort of to make to to make aliens tethered to the Ridley Scott film. He basically just made a little bit of a wink because uh, hopefully this isn't the original Aliens. So that's that's what I wanted to share. Like I found this wrinkle in the score, and I'm like super happy with myself because Kroll and Aliens are related. Lawyered. It's proven. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> confirmed.
0: Yeah. So that's that's what I wanted to say. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually out out of things to to say about Crawl. Kroll. K- Kroll is kind of like a I don't know like a weird thing. That's um. I hope we get
1: some emails about this one. I'm really curious what, like, I specifically want people who really are, like, fond by this film and really like this film and love this film. Like, what, like, what about it grabs you? Because it's such watching it such a weird like experience i'm really like genuinely
0: kind of fascinated that this kind of has a cult following oh hey okay shout out to randy because i know randy is a little bit older than i am so he would be possibly maybe in the good sort of age group slash demographic for this randy if you've seen crow and you love crow send me an email (laughs) this is gonna be great anyway yeah
2: (laughs) i think that's the most interesting thing just just, just the power of nostalgia. Um, another thing that came to mind, but like we mentioned, Conan the Barbarian. This reminded me a lot of Conan the Destroyer, which um, is almost equally as cheap. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Can that, yeah. Uh, in terms of a fantasy set, like it, it has some interesting ideas here and there, but the execution is very lacking. But Conan the Destroyer was one, out that one year it's, later.
0: Yeah. Yes,
2: it, it was like this. Is like sandwiched in between Barbarian and Destroyer, which is interesting but yeah I, th- I think that's that's ultimately the power of nostalgia um just when you're little when you don't know better but also when you have like less expectations you don't want that much from movies from cinema or anything i can see myself really loving this as a kid yeah like right? between I, I between see... the ages of like six and nine i saw so many like cheapo adventure fantasies, knockoffs of uh, Star Wars Lord of the Rings and Conan and whatnot, rather than the actual deal sometimes. Um, and I can see it like a kid getting sucked into this world because it is creative. It does stimulate a lot of creativity. Even though it has this weird weird trademark of 80s fantasy that is a quicksand scene. It feels like every single film from this 80s has to have a quick sense scene. But yeah, it's I can I can see the appeal for it. I can definitely see the appeal for it. I
0: mean, um, but then again like I'm I'm I think too too young for this. Because like I, I can see um I can know there is a there's a like a community of people who love Jim Henson's Labyrinth or they love Dark Crystal mm. or Willow. I'm like I missed out on this shit. Like I was like, yeah, I don't know. Because like I, I know you say, oh these are like th- I think Kroll was G rated. And you see, like, there's, there's there's a shit ton of violence in it. I'm like, how is this g rated? It's scary. Yeah, it's a very scary thing. It's ridiculous. It's just, um, yeah, it's it's. But then again, it was kind of at the same time as, I want to say, Temple of Doom, where people still Which... have no had no idea what to do with things that are kind of for general audiences, but you kind of need to be a little bit older to appreciate them. And they a year before, yeah, yeah. Because this was this would be the time when they were kind of formulating what um, PG thirteen rating should be, yeah. So it's Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah,
2: this one was rated PG. Was it PG? Yeah, um, in the US. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, because I think. I mean,
2: fair enough. That's yeah. It's yeah. It's it's in the weird period where there's they still haven't figured out how to do like proper big budget blockbusters, and and I think what's What's keeping this back as well, we haven't really mentioned it, but it's the comic relief, which feels very much in there just to have like to appeal to kids, to appeal to children. Same problem again with the Conan Deber the destroyer film because the previous one was a mature adult film. And then the sequel is this kiddie fantasy. And I just want to I don't remember who the actor is because I don't cannot distinguish any of the names looking at the cast. Uh but the one who plays the like, main comic relief, kind of like oh, the, the jester. The shape-shifter S- character. guy. Yeah, just... I oh, uh, can't remember. I that. hoped it, it died like instantly. I was like, this is going to be painful to watch. And this... Oof, I would say probably the, the only part of the film I found really annoying was him. Because it just did not fit in any way tonally. It didn't fit with the other characters. No one liked him except the kid. <laughs> Uh, David Batley. There you go. There you go.
0: David Batley. Yes. Um, And then, like you can see, like this, this kind of has like this sort of Star Wars curse. Like you look at the cast, and then you can see that there is no one in there had a career except the Neeson
1: Well, after seeing after seeing it, I think that's probably the best
0: outcome. Yeah. No, except Liam Neeson, who was kind of like just there. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) But yeah but most of them they were like but yeah but they they, they were supposed to be i think like up and coming uh sort of stars like they were they were kind of cast as these sort of young nobodies that they we could make like they they like I, I i shit you not i i would bet 5 bucks that you know like whoever was designing this sort of project from the get go they decided i want to cast the next Carrie fisher like they they were just so full of themselves that they could just make th- make it happen because people were eating this this kind of storytelling up like like you know like it was uh, like there was no tomorrow and it's but, cheaper yeah. so it doesn't mean you have to yes. actually pay
2: someone like Alec Guinness <laughs> or uh, James F. Yeah. Jones so, good money so yeah
0: yeah yeah and then but then like, and then yeah I don't know it's it's just very it's very Ill. Uh but it's kind of likable, like the, yeah. The the more I'm talking about this, the more I'm kind of just warming up to this, even though it's 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 such a schlocky sort of car crash that you know, like it's it's not even fun to watch, but it's fun to talk about. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes, because right now I'm I'm, I'm like yeah, it wasn't actually that bad. But then I'm thinking back on the experience, <laughs> the was like yeah, yeah, I was not having fun during this. Uh, in the second half, in the second podcasting
1: half, sometimes. Podcasting sometimes does this, where like you talk about it with your friends, and you're like, "Oh, you know, I'm having fun talking about it." But like, yeah, no, the experience is not yep. good. <laughs> not yep. good. Yeah,
0: like, you, like you, now you have, the, now, Carson, you now have the nostalgia factor in real time because you know it's just talking about this and say like, maybe it is good, maybe it is good because I'm fa- I'm having a good time now thinking about this, and then I should, you know, you put it on and you'll be like, no, 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 James Horner's main theme. It's finished. I'm done. Thank you. Um. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> it's just what it is.
1: See, I'll say I'm out. Unlike the shills who like the original Star Wars trilogy, just because
0: they grew up with it. Ah, oh, we'll get there. Don't worry. Spoiler alert. Uh, but yeah, you stay away from Star Wars. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I wanted to say something. I totally forgot because you distracted me with your with your just uncultured philistine philistinism.
1: I'm out here trying to piss off everyone today. I want to piss off the Krull community. I want to piss off the Star Wars community. I want to piss off everyone
0: today. Let's go. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, did you know that um, Razzie's were a thing at the time? Did not even get a single nomination, I don't think. Oh, well,
2: that's disappointing.
0: But but it won, um, because I checked, um, um, it won 1983 Stinker's Bad Movie Award. So there's that. (laughs) I thought it was also nominated for some Saturns. Yeah, but then again, everything gets nominated for some Saturns. <laughs> oh,
2: wow. Um, I'm looking at the no, lineup it, for the Stinker Awards for that year. It's not... What was in there? I, th- I would say this is probably the most memorable one. You also have Porky's 2 The Next Day. Still oh, yeah. Smoking with Cheech and someone. I can't even see. Cheech Marine and Tommy Chong.
0: Oh, Chich Marin. Yeah, This looks Chich Marin.
2: really bad. <laughs> the Lonely Lady
0: oh.
2: and Two of a Kind.
0: Speaking, speaking of, like we should probably at one point somewhere like I go we should go on the list, like, like 1980s teen sex comedies. Because they're horrible. And then sure. Yeah. Like, like try and watch Revenge of the Nerds now. Woof. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> You'll be like, this, this is. Inappropriate on so many levels. This is just, yeah. One that could be interesting.
2: You make a fo- Oh, sorry. Yeah, go for it. I was gonna say one. One that could be interesting to discuss would be Last American Virgin. That's that's uh, That's one that stands out, in more ways than one.
0: Nice. <laughs> but, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's um, it yeah, it's it, it's a very interesting. Crawl is a very interesting sort of a, a topic, and then you know you kind of have to. I don't know. And then we haven't even spoken about the director who's um I think most well known Peter Yates for making Bullet. Just like he's so so the opposite of this <laughs> like yeah, like Bullet's a masterpiece. Like I've I love this film so much on so many levels and it's so beautifully well done. Like so beautifully directed and the camera work in Bullet is so amazing. It's a grounded and film. It's a grounded film but then like driven by remember, visuals. Yeah, but then like the camera work in Bullet is like it's the Yates uses mirrors everywhere to kind of just film in very sort of close quarters to kind of just give you like um sort of illusion of space, and and he's very inventive with his camera, and all of a sudden, and that was in nineteen sixty eight, eight yes, thank you. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like you see this, like that's the first and only fantasy film he's ever made, and that just you can't. You, it could be literally just directed by a shaved monkey. Like it doesn't look like it has a sense of its own sort of directorial style. At least I don't think mm. it does.
2: No, it's it's very generic in in that sense. There's nothing that really stands out in terms of in terms of actual like men behind the camera, um, which is a bit it's disappointing. I'd say. Well, uh, yeah, probably I mean, like made for owned, the money. But... I guess I don't think he really had much interest in it. Uh, at least he doesn't come across as that. Doesn't seem like a passion project that he was fighting hard for. So,
0: yeah, hmm. yeah. So I come. Like, I'll be honest with you guys. I come like, out. I'm, I'm I'm out of gas on this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yeah. It's one of those. Like I watched this. I was like, I really need to think hard about things to, to talk about because I I was struggling to kind of stay focused on this. Yeah, it's yeah, it's and and it doesn't happen to me that 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 you know like I I have problems talking and this 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 doesn't yeah, It's is very odd. Yeah. Like I like the idea of crawl. I don't like crawl itself. That's pretty much my tagline for today.
2: I think the the fact that there are so many films from the eighties, especially genre films and fantasy films, that have had a massive legacy, something like crawl. Whose only legacy has been, yeah, you know, the the glaive the weapon. It's it's cool. Let's put it in video games and shit. <laughs> if that's your legacy, and nothing about the characters and no, and the, no, and the other thing is, oh, it's, it's one of the earliest Liam Neeson roles. That's literally almost the only two things I knew about this going in. That says a lot. That really does.
0: Yeah, but then you know, like it, it almost has this sort of like it fits so well into the sort of platform of what we're doing because it's. It's one of those fantasy films that nobody else, like nobody cares about, because like, like when people think about sort of the '80s fantasy, it's the Princess Bride, the Jim Henson films, maybe Willow. People will mention, and then this is kind of like yeah, whatever. It's 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 the it's the thing that nobody remembers, and maybe people will remember the glaive. and I bet you money that the guy who probably uh, wrote a Ready Player One maybe didn't even remember the film very well. He remembered the idea of the glaive probably because that's the sort of memorable sort of artifact that's in there. Yeah, but it's it's and then you realize that some films are forgotten for a reason because they're not good. <laughs> oh
2: yeah,
0: oh yeah. Although Carson's are smiling because he's like, "Yeah, both films that we're talking about are not good. What are you talking about?" <laughs>
1: Wait, what's the other one I'm referring to?
0: No, it's just like most films that we cover in here. It's kind of like you're always kind of like, "This is shit. What are we doing here?"
1: Well. I mean, Congo was, let's be clear, and I don't know about most films. Uh, No, but this one I at least see, like, yeah, I get it. I can appreciate it. It's not Congo where it's, like, actual
0: garbage. I I could see that there are people for whom this is what Congo is for me. This is pretty much what we're, we're, you know, I I can see this. There is an audience for it. It's just they're, they're probably busy sending their kids to college now. Yeah.
1: There's a lot of Krill tattoos, FYI. I looked up Krill tattoos. I just want to, you know, I keep in wanting to engage this fandom, you know, and just see, like, what's up. Uh, quite a few out there, so shout out to them. They go actually beyond
2: the Glade. They actually feature other things as well.
1: Uh, it's mostly the Glade, but there's a few others. There's one that's, like, a whole sleeve of the poster that looks rather bad, but, like, I appreciate the thought. I
0: could, I could see how the, how the poster could go very bad on, on a sleeve. If you if imagine the beast's face kind of elongated a little. No, actually, the beast looks fine. It's the human faces, which are, oh. like, messed oh, oh, up. Okay. Um, yeah. I- <laughs> oh, well, but okay. I do... Okay, well, okay. But there are certain things I kind of like about this, I have to say. I can't come Yeah. I like the idea, which is kind of interesting, that this sort of fortress, is, you can't locate it. It just change, changes sort of location every, every day so they're kind of like we're on an adventure we're trying to find it we don't know where we're going like <laughs> so it's kind of interesting and it's also a spaceship at the same time and also another another sort of wink to aliens because it kind of just opens the, the film opens kind of like a cross between the sort of opening to Star Wars and opening to alien as in like you, like you could imagine that this could be Nostromo kind of just flying through the screen like it's yeah it's, it it has this sort of Weird strands of DNA, so sort of with its, within its sort of runtime, that it's just, just, I don't know, just uh, pointing to very strange films
1: this is a movie I don't enjoy, but it's a movie I, like, fully respect and I can appreciate for what it is. Like, there are other movies where it's like, oh, I hate this and I don't respect what it's trying to do. Like, I respect the creativity. I think that this is, like, there's some really worthy ideas. I think the execution is shit. But, like, I do think this is a film, like, I can appreciate, I can respect, I can, you know, okay, cruel, you know, you're doing your thing, good on you. (laughs) Yeah,
0: same. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think, I don't know about you, but we might as well just, like, call it a day <laughs> and then let's just quickly go around the table few sentences to to finish this off and then yeah who wants to go first
2: I can go first oh, go um, first the, the best thing about crawl was definitely the horn score definitely the Glaive in terms of like imagery it's enjoyable it's an, it's, it's, it's enjoyable in a in a very tiring way because it pumps you up at first, but then it just keeps, just becomes a bit of a slog, at least for me. Um, but it made me want to go through Far Cry 3 of World Dragon again, so at least there's that. That's a positive. Uh, and I want to get the soundtrack, I really do. I, 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 I can see someone like a modern day Tarantino digging the soundtrack up and using it in a wonderful blockbuster down the line and just blowing everyone away in the in a proper context that's not cruel.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think I've kind of said my piece. Like, I respect the film. Not my thing, not good. But, like, you know what? I respect it. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's fine. I, I fully, unlike, you know, the Alita army, unlike fucking Ayer Cut, the fucking Snyder Cut, like, I respect the fan base of this. Go off. Live your best crow lives. I'm down. I like that. I mean I I don't know. I'm actually kind of turning I think I'm turning more positive to the idea of this film than I think anyone else here. If you get us to 10,000 listeners on this podcast, I will go get a cruel tattoo. Oh, Let's go.
0: Game on. Oh wow. Kids subscribe I'm not kidding, like and I will. tweet. We need to get, Okay, we need to specify where are you getting
1: Go to Co- go to Kofi if go to Kofi, or if we ever start a Patreon, you know, if we ever do, who who possibly could think that might be in the future? I know, wink, wink. And you, if if <laughs> if, if y'all pay for the tattoo, you community, I will happily get a cruel tattoo. So if we
0: set up a GoFundMe for you,
1: sure. If you it, sure, like what is it gonna be like three hundred dollars? If you pay off one thousand percent, great, get okay, no, the tattoo of the weapon. Okay, sure.
0: okay, what are we talking about? A sleeve or like a lower back beast face?
1: Oh, cramp it will probably be on
0: like <laughs> my like ankle or leg. Okay. Glaive? on on your on your yeah. ankle.
1: Not necessarily like a huge one. Let's no, be just very, let's very, very intimate. Yeah, like no, the size get, of a fidget spinner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. There you go. Uh,
0: yeah. uh Consider. Okay, well, that's a challenge. So if you're listening to this, go on go on kofi um coffee.com com slash Pod, Donate, and we'll make this happen. And then if there's you know, and then also just shout out on on Twitter, we'll make we'll make this trending. Holy shit, get Carson a ta- Carson a tattoo. There you go. Uh, well, I have
1: tattoos, but I I don't have a crawl one. Well, there yet. you go. I like a so you one.
0: know, get oh, it would be so much better if this was your first one. Oh my goodness, this would be amazing. Anyway, so yeah, I kind of have a feeling. That, yeah, I said this before. I have, I, I like the idea of crawl more than I like the film itself, and I kind of feel like I'm kind of just rationalizing the fact I spent money on the Blu-ray. Uh, <laughs> Like, I'm not even kidding right now. Like, I've got a few stinkers on my shelf that I'm just thinking, wow, what am I doing with this? Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, that's that's pretty much what it is. The Horner score is amazing. And then the concept I kind of like, the uh, execution not so much, and I like the aspiration. I like the, you know... what does, How does the poem go? A man's reach should exceed his grasp. Or something like that. Like, I like the fact that they wanted to... Uh, to make this bigger than it could have possibly been with this sort of archetypal um story that's that's really really rooted in very fundamental bare storytelling and they wanted to kind of blow, blow it up into this sort of world building flash in the pan that star was was five six six years earlier though that, that could have invited all like everyone everyone around to kind of just hypothesize what what's around the planet crow because you you don't even have to know that this is on a planet that's called crow does that doesn't make a difference but it kind of just yeah you can see that there was a plan to make this a big thing they had they had merchandise lined up like like george lucas style and it all went tits up and that that's kind of the funniest and the most sort of enjoyable thing about this is kind of showing to kind of um rationalize how this shit happened and how this film exists in the first place so i kind of like it that way but yeah but i kind of i kind of find the idea of fighting for crow as in like midnight screenings and this a little bit ridiculous put it this way <laughs> so yeah um so yeah so th- so there. Th- that's it yeah Kroll's available to rent or buy from the usual suspects in the uk and the us uh I don't think it can stream it on any of the major subscription based platforms. Nico is available in Italy, by the way. No, so unfortunately. Shame no. You. Yeah, well, as it happens, it has a very decent Blu-ray release in the UK, which I bought. It's exclusive to HMV, and then it includes postcards and a poster, and it's very nice to look at, um, and very good master. In the US, it has a physical release as well, but I think it's kind of like a let's just call it like a normal off-the-shelf Blu-ray, so it's not like a special edition or anything like that. Uh, it costs like $3.50, so, you know, go and get it. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's it for, for this episode of Anka Jones Podcast. So where can we find you all on social media? Nicola, you go first.
2: You can follow me on Twitter at NickyGrar97, and you can follow me on Letterboxd at Nicola Grasso, and you can watch my short films and video essays on YouTube and Vimeo at EnjoyTheMovies.
1: Carson? You can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews letterbox. Just
0: Carson tomorrow. And you can find me at talk about film. And you can also read all our stuff on uh, clapperltd.co.uk. And uh, you can read my stuff on flashonfilm.com If you so choose, um, you can follow and you should follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. So make sure to follow, like retweet our stuff because it helps. If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at uncutgemspot at gmail.com. So, if you want to sound off about Crow, and please do sound off about Crow, because we are really gunning to see to hear um, what other people think about this. Uh, this, this, is a, this is a call to arms. Like, I want the Crow army to descend on this email address. I'm not even kidding. Um, uh, what was I talking about? Yes, okay, yeah, sound off about Crow. Anka James, uh, Anka James pod at gmail.com. yeah you can also tweet at us do whatever we can also support the show at coffee.com at uh, the coffeecom slash Anka James pod. that's co ficom slash Anka James pod. and that, you know and please help us uh, keep the lights on donate and then you know, buy us a coffee so be sure to tune in next week uh, when we will be observing may the 4th by turning our attention to one of the two, say, let's call them non-canonical Star Wars features, Solo, a Star Wars story. In addition, be on the lookout for our it, premium content I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast because you know, like, we're things are gonna happen. Put it this way, just you know, stay tuned. So follow us on, uh, 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 and Clappercast at Clapper Podcast on on Twitter to stay on top of all these new developments. And you should also follow ClapperCast anyway, because, you know, it's amazing. So, yeah, uh, for now, I hope you all have a fabulous day, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.